BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Game Over International. It's the biggest day of the tournament for Canada because the Canadian women played for gold in uh, women's hockey, of course. And I'm going to be joined by two wonderful guests here, Erica Lindsay Ayala and Mike Stevens. He finally woke up, everybody. Welcome, Mike Stevens, to the show. Guys, I did it. I'm so proud of myself. I can't believe I'm here. I'm so honored to be here with with Erica as well. Uh, This is great. And Erica, of course, joins us live from Beijing because she is working so hard covering these Olympics. So every moment that she stays here with us is another moment that she's not able to sleep. So we appreciate her (laughs) endlessly. And of course, Erica doing this after the USA lost in the gold medal game. Extra appreciate you coming on, Erica, to give us the perspective of uh, the American team as well. Well, uh, you're welcome, I guess. Although, you know, if you check my Twitter timeline, I've been pretty consistent with that Canada the, was the best team in this tournament. And ultimately, that's what we saw. Uh, but just like every USA-Canada game, we got a little bit of drama. We definitely got a lot of fight and an NPP game-winning goal. Yes, this is the most consistent thing in the final for the Olympics is Marie-Philippe Poulin at least scores one, but usually scores two. And if she scores two, one of them is the golden goal. That's seven goals in the gold medal game for Mary Philippe Pelin. Three golden goals. I asked last last night when I was watching, when do we build the statue and how many statues are we going to build? Because it's a foregone conclusion now. She is beyond a Hall of Famer. She needs to be memorialized now, and we need to start building them immediately. Yeah, why why is the statue not already built? I mean, this is ridiculous. She she is she like we we spent an entire generation, you know, uh, celebrating Crosby for for his uh, for his golden goal. Really, uh, Marie has three. She's incredible. She should be on every coin that we make. She should be on you know all, all the all the statues we have. It's it's amazing. I like what we're watching is is legitimate dominance like we haven't you know in in the sport of hockey we throw around the term elite a lot and we throw around the term generational a lot and you know i think all of us on this call can say 
in terms of our generation, Marie-Philippe Poulain is, is at the top. Like we, we aren't seeing something, especially on the international stage that she's done ever. And it, it's absolutely remarkable. Every single time she's in a position to show up every single time she's in a position to, to uh, make her stamp on, on, on the biggest stage possible. She does. And that last night was just one of those opportunities again. And she came through. Absolutely. I mean, she just, she doesn't back off. She has that. I mean, we talk about clutch. I saw mm-hmm. someone on Twitter last night saying we should just not talk about the word clutch anymore. Replace it with the word Poulin. I mean, she definitely is good and uh, it showed again for Canada. I think what I love the most about uh, Marie-Philippe Poulin is that she is extremely humble Um it almost seems as though she, uh, you know, rather defer to her teammates than to talk about herself. She quite literally gets uncomfortable talking about herself. Um, but I have to admit, it's a bit of a spicy take. And I've, I've, take, I've taken this road before, but, you know, I had a media vote for the All-Stars. And I will say I did not put, I did not put Marie-Philippe Poulain on my list. And I will tell you why. Because I felt that there were other Canadian, first of all, they, they made it explicitly clear that if we went, even if, uh, if it was one country that we had all the players for, that they would throw out our ballot. And I felt that that was extremely unfair for this Olympic Games when literally Hockey Canada had everyone at the top of the table in almost every single category. I think... Um, and it was close, but Enrené Debien also was not my goaltender uh, that I picked for for the All Star team, and um, she actually didn't make that team. But I did not pick Marie Philippe because I really felt that Sarah Fillier, uh, Brienne Jenner, and Sarah Nurse deserved to make that team, and another player who I think absolutely also quietly dominated for Hockey Canada and has done so consistently as well, Natalie Spooner. So it was a tough call, but I felt confident MPP was going to get votes. So I threw, I threw, uh, you know, my weight with Sarah Nurse, Sarah Fillier and Spoonie. Yeah. That's the thing about this tournament for Canada is there's no shortage of standout players. And this is why I've been saying, you know, I, I was worried I was going to jinx them a little bit in the gold medal game, but going into it, I think this is the best Canadian team in the history of this sport. And I, I've never seen a team so offensively dominated or so um, offensively dominant. And I think the United States should be given a lot of credit for holding them to just three goals in that game. And I know part of it was they sat back after they got up to three, but like that team, the quick strike offense that they have, I've never seen it so effective before. And it comes from the depth that they have that the, the three lines essentially that could score at will. And then you had Jamie Lee Rattray who barely played in the gold medal game, who every time she was on the ice was scoring as well. So like there is a plethora of people who could have been on that all-star ballot. And, you know, you mentioned Sarah nurse, Erica, I think we need to give a special shout out that Sarah nurse is now the first black uh, woman to ever win the gold medal in the women's hockey, uh, women's hockey in the Olympics. She also broke Haley Wickenheiser's scoring record for an Olympic Games. And yes, it was an extra, I think, an extra game or maybe two games versus what Haley did in 2006. But in 2006, Canada never faced the USA. 
You know, Sarah Nurse showed up in the gold medal game. I think her goal was arguably the most important goal in the game after Natalie Spooner got out of the gates and her goal was called off for offside based on a review. Immediately, Sarah Nurse got right back on the board for Canada and kind of quelled any idea that there might be some nerves after that called off goal. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we talk a lot about response goals, right? And if, if you can have a response goal when the game is scoreless, that was one. Because Canada and Spooner's comments have been kind of making their rounds. Uh, she, she had some comments after the USA game in the prelims. But what Spooner, what I heard Spooner say is that, you know, Canada knows who they are. That's been evidently clear throughout this tournament. And they felt that they gave the United States a little bit more room than they felt comfortable with, given how they want to play. So when Sarah Nurse scores that opening goal, it's it's massively important. And Jenner and MPP spoke to the media on the dais uh, at the podium with head coach Troy Ryan. And I asked them about Sarah Nurse, who jumped up onto that top line. Um, after coming back from injury, after they had to switch lines with uh, Emily Doe's injury. And they were impressed, obviously, but not surprised. Um, and they were more impressed, though, that Sarah Nurse was coming off of a pretty major injury and that she suffered going into centralization and that she was able to come back, that she was able to play a physical, gritty game because she, you have Marie-Philippe Poulin and Brienne Jenner as your line mates. So nurse, you know, she didn't need to be clinical. She didn't need to be surgical. She didn't need to be fancy. She needed to find the puck and get it to her line mates. And that's exactly what she did. Yeah. And I feel like we have to like, just the amazing situation that we're in here with Sarah nurse that she gets to, I mean, of course the Olympics always take place in February, but to have her breaking this ground as the first black woman to ever win an Olympic gold medal in women's hockey also named to the all-star team in black history month. Like, could you write a better script than that? Like it's, it's so amazing. And I know Erica, this is something that's near and dear to you, of course, and something part of your coverage as well, but it is just it almost wants to make like make you tear up how how special it is to have this moment and the fact that she was you know such a key to that line and the the grit that she played with the playmaking that she was able to accomplish just she's an absolute inspiration and i hope that we have an outpouring of young women of color or girls of color who see that see themselves in this moment and bring up the next generation of kids in this sport. Yeah, and Andrew, I really appreciate you circling back to that because I was just so excited about how she played and what she overcame. But you're absolutely right. And you want to talk about tearing up. I got chills hearing you say it. And I did, I pointed a camera facing me uh, when they were giving out the gold medals. And the way they did it because of COVID is that, you know, each teammate, they get their medal and then they give it to the next person. So I saw Jenner hand and and put the gold medal over Sarah Nurse's neck. And it was emotional for me. Uh, I am not Canadian. I was born in the United States. So let's just establish that. But it's beyond that for me um, to know that a part of my coverage here has been to follow Black Olympians and to watch 
women in Beijing make history, although black athletes, period, are only less than 1% of the athletes that have that are here and competing are competing in Beijing and to have covered Sarah Nurse and her professional career, post-college career. I honestly don't think I could have scripted it any better. And it's beyond any country barriers or any, you know, silly hockey wars that we like to talk about every four years. That was an absolutely amazing moment. Um, but, you know, Sarah, I don't think has taken it in because, of course, I asked her about it. And she said, clear as day, Erica, I am happy because our our goal was gold and I've got one. And I think that's beautiful. I want her to enjoy that. I love that she made that all-star team. I thought she did it for a minute and I got very angry on Twitter. Um, <laughs> um, because I was like, it's Black History Month and she was killing it. No, but she did make that all-star team. And I'm glad though also that the first thing that she's embracing is the gold medal one day and someone will tell their story and the next woman to win gold from whatever country. Uh, I hope that I get the chance just like I did in Beijing to ask that athlete, who was the first black athlete that you remember at the Olympics? And I hope that one day the answer is someone telling me Sarah nurse, because that would just be an amazing full circle moment. Oh man. I just got chills run down my spine. That is, I mean, who's going to write the screenplay? Because that's that's a movie moment right there, I think. I would watch that. I'd be there on opening night. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And it's, it's one of the amazing stories of these Olympics. Like, you can tell, like, looking at me, I'm a little bit emotional. Like, this, these you girls. You haven't I mean, slept in, like, a yeah, year. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> I haven't slept in February. But <laughs> very easily triggered, I guess. But that, you just can't scripted better than that like you said erica it's it's fantastic um i guess we should talk about some other people as well because it it was a total team effort and i think that we have to give due credit to united states as well for how they stuck with it in this game i think it would have been very easy to kind of fold up the tent when it gets to three nothing and then hillary knight shorthanded just barrels through and makes it a game and again one of the best players in American history, one of the best players in the history of the sport, continuing to make her mark in the Olympics. I believe, like Mary Philippe Poulin, is one goal away from tying Haley Wickenheiser for the all-time record for goals in the Olympics. I believe uh, Hillary Knight is, what, two goals behind the all-time record for the American players as well. And I believe she passed Cami Granado in this game, which is absolutely incredible you know a hall of famer in cami granado who's now part of uh the vancouver canucks staff which i mean not really relevant to this show but the way that vancouver has handled the last month or so has been incredible in a way like a leading force for the nhl between it's like vancouver stole my and podcast Seattle. co-host man i what know they about? did that's right <laughs> rachel's over there now so amazing news on that front as well but like shout out to hillary knight and the americans because they didn't go away. And that's what makes this rivalry so incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know. And go ahead, Mike. No, absolutely. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I just know that, uh, you know, Andrew, you and I are talking offline and that is definitely the story here. And if the United States had a little bit more time, whether in this game or even if they had a little bit more time together, uh, the, the United States, they had a coaching change. 
uh, ahead of the last world championships in 2021, whereas Troy Ryan has been with this group. And I do think that makes a massive difference, not only in an Olympic tournament, but in an Olympic tournament, hello, still got my mask on during a worldwide pandemic. And that's, that's a testament to Hillary Knight, who was not just scoring goals, but she was blocking shots, okay? Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Is, is the star of your favorite NHL team getting down on the ice and blocking shots no. in a gold medal? Well, definitely not the latter part, but <laughs> probably not, none of it. Um, so, I mean, I think it's just amazing. It was, it was great to see. And it makes it heartbreaking, but also as someone that doesn't have to play in that game, it also makes the rivalry just so good. So, so good. Yeah, The intensity, especially in the third period, was so palpable. Every time the United States had puck possession in the Canadian zone, it was like, you know, running around like crazy. Canadians were diving in front of pucks. There was at one point, uh, I forget which one the Canadian player was, it was... I think it might have been LaRoque basically dove in front of a shot point blank on an empty net and like, took it off of the cage, right? And I said it reminded me of Doug Glatt in the movie Goon, where it was just like people just smashing him in the face and teeth flying everywhere. But yeah, the the dedication to win and the dedication to get back into the game from both teams, it just it makes it so special. And you know, I think that we talk about the coaching uh, for the United States, and there's a lot of assumptions going on. There's probably going to be another coaching change here, specifically due to the uh, bench management situation with the USA. And we'll uh, talk about uh, Jincy Dunn, who essentially spent the entire tournament in games, but on the bench. Now, at this point where you know you need every last bit of energy at the end of a game to tie it up, it kind of seems like it's hard to defend that decision. It's been really tough. It's been really, really tough. It's something that we've seen, in fairness, the United States do before, but also in fairness, I have never agreed with that strategy. <laughs> and Canada I has think, too. Um, they did it in uh, Pyeongchang with essentially similar results. Yes, and I think that's also the difference, and it's worth noting. It is absolutely worth noting because the storylines that are bubbling in the mixed zone here in the Olympics is that this Canada team is changing women's ice hockey. I think that they've done that offensively, but I think also the point that you just made, Andrew, is extremely important, making sure that it's really all hands on deck and that they don't have to rely on just one line that they can get contributions from everywhere. And unfortunately, the United States, for whatever reason, um, didn't display that. And Joel Johnson was asked about that um, in post game, and he kind of gave one of those shoulda, coulda, woulda, if we won, no one would be asking this question type answers. I think there, generally speaking, is some truth to that. I also think that it's very evidently clear that there was some young talent, especially on the blue line, that wasn't getting utilized while Lee Steckline and Kayla Barnes were asked to be absolute workhorses. And you wonder how many Olympics some of these players, including who they chose in net, I mean, we learned that, you know, uh, I, I still call her Riggs, but, you know, that the, the starting goaltender for the United States was dealing with 
a, a, a you know a torn ligament you know months before the Olympics and got the most starts out of all of the goaltenders. On the one hand, you go with what you know, and that makes total sense. But even even with Riggs at a hundred percent, it's I'm hard pressed to believe that you couldn't find a way to give her maybe a little bit more rest, even if you did want her to go in the gold medal game. And that's indicative also of time management throughout the entire USA system. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking at the time on ice now and Megan Keller played 29 minutes. Savannah Harmon played 25. Kayla Barnes played 28. And then you've got, uh, yeah, Lee Steckline 25, 23 as well. And then you have Caroline Harvey for the USA played one minute and two seconds. Jincy Dunn, zero. It's just, is that a winning strategy in today's game? I feel like years ago in the women's game, maybe it was because there was such a big drop off in talent and, you know, teams like the USA and Canada could get away with it in a tournament like this. But over the course of a whole tournament, like in a single game, maybe you can kind of justify that. But the fact that they rolled essentially four or three and a half defensemen the entire tournament, I can't see how that didn't, uh, you know, negatively affect them in any way. And I get it's fine for a coach to say nobody would be asking that if we won. But I feel like at the same time, I don't know, it's just harsh to me to have a player make the team and then you're telling them at the same time that they're not good enough to actually play, which is it doesn't make any sense to me. Then take somebody else. Well, the the argument of. Oh, if we won, you wouldn't be asking me about this. Well, maybe if you deployed it differently, you would have won. Maybe, you know, maybe you would have had that extra jump at the end of your bench. Maybe, you know, it's especially like, and I know that we can't really put the human element too much into account here because it's, you know, we got to win hockey games, right? And it's all that. But I mean, there's so many, and you're you're there, Erica, so you know this. Like, there's so many hurdles you have to jump over to get even get to Beijing in the first place. Like all the... Like you're, you're on, you're on a show with a mask on right now. Like it's, you know, exactly. And to, to have, you know, to have them go through all this, just to just all all the quarantines, all the, all the protocols, this, that, the other, just to sit on the bench. That's, it's just, it seems a little unfair. And it's just one of those strategies in hockey that, you know, we see a lot of the coaches that you can't like, I don't know if you can run four defensemen in, in a gold medal game, you know, best on best in, in when it, when everything matters and expect to come out on top. Yeah, it's 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 a bold bold strategy cut, you know. Like, <laughs> I mean, like it's just um, I I don't I don't think that I, I, it's not something that I would do because we we did see Caroline Harvey, we did see Jinzy Dunn in some of the earlier games, and the United States was successful in those games. Were they perfect? No, but I didn't see those players as the biggest liabilities. Um, so, you know, it, it's just really difficult to, to understand what's, what's going on there. But I think the difference is perhaps that, and this is also where the, the United States and Canada are at a different place when it comes to the evolution of the game. Canada, much to my enjoyment as someone who loves defense, has been focused and they've talked a lot about how they've always been a team that was defense first, defense first. They challenged every single one of their players to get uncomfortable in their game and to rejuvenate and to change their thinking about what it meant to be an offensive team and what it meant to play offense. And that's not, you know, 
you know, taking slap shots from the blue line just for the sake of it, you know, or like when I used to play basketball and my coach would be like, shoot, I'm like, I can't shoot from here, coach. It's not going to go in, you know, it's not doing that, but it's finding your way to impact positively the offensive push. And that's what we see Canada doing. Whereas I don't think that we saw enough of that uh, coming the offense coming from the back or even being able to connect uh, moving through the zones for the United States. You saw Hillary Knight doing it. You saw Kendall Coyne Schofield doing it. And when at times we saw that line with Abby Rock centering Amanda Kessel and Alex Carpenter, who that was Brianna Decker's line. You saw that early on, but over time against a more skilled defensive team, you, you didn't see the United States able to just barrel through all three zones at top speed. Maybe that's when, you know, you got to get a little rough and tumble defensively and you have to make it a point to play a collective team offense. And I think the, I think again, the time that Canada had to work on that literal years compared to brand new systems with a brand new coach. And like we talked about earlier, maybe we'll see another coaching change again. That's unfortunate. And some people will say, oh, United States, Canada, again, in the gold medal game, it doesn't matter who you put behind the bench. Well, if you're, if you're going for gold and if you're in the United States and you'd like to win, you know, one more than every, what, 10 years or 20 years, Maybe you should try a different strategy because I get the sense that, yeah, getting to the gold medal game is great, but I bet the United States would like to win a few more and you're not going to do it by playing the same old tricks. Yeah, you got to innovate. Now, I, I will say I think that we all expect that the United States is going to be better than ever the next time these two teams meet. It, it seems like these teams challenge each other. And whoever wins in the Olympics ends up struggling in the next world championships because the other team has taken a step and they, you know, they improve each other by being so dominant, right? Like there's that constant up and down motion. So it's, it's going to be amazing to see what comes next. Um, moving on from the women's hockey, unfortunately we have to, cause there are some other things to cover. Uh, I do want to say that the men's tournament has ended for both countries uh, unceremoniously in the quarterfinals. Team Canada shut out by Sweden. Uh, Team USA taken down in a shootout by Slovakia. Both teams were expected to do a little bit better, but at the same time, I feel like this is more fun for a tournament without NHLers is to give the countries that don't necessarily always make the final. Like I want, I want Slovakia to win. I am so in on Slovakia. I would love to see that happen because it just, it would never happen with NHLers there. And I think that would be a special story. It's, we almost got it last Olympics with Germany where they pushed it to the, to the limit against uh, the Russian Olympic committee or what was it last time? I think it was Olympic athletes from Russia was what they called it in uh, 2018. But either the way, formerly known as Prince, it doesn't. Yes, matter, exactly. The, the country formerly known <laughs> as Russia. But yeah, uh, I would like to see that happen. I'm honestly not too upset about how that went down. I don't know how many people are. I'm sure the, the, the players are, but it's one of those situations where I don't know. I think I just think it's more fun the way it's playing out here. Andrew, there's nothing I want more in this world than Martin Marincin <laughs> to wear a gold medal around his neck. That would be the funniest thing in the entire world. And I want it more than I want to breathe. So if that if that's the outcome, 
Let's do it. So be it. I, I will turn my back. I'll turn my back on my country to get Martin Marincin his, uh, his gold medal. That'd be fantastic. Oh man. I mean, the other option is we could get Sweden, Finland in the final, which is, you know, one of the better rivalries in the sport as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I don't know, I'm kind of rooting for Slovakia now because I got to see that game, a heartbreaker for the young U.S. team. And here's the thing, much like the gold medal game for the women, I think that that Slovakia-USA game ended the way it should have, given what we saw on the ice. Now, the United States, in this case, they were the ones that, you know, for a time, we're in the driver's seat, but Slovakia kept coming back. And, you know, you got to respect that kind of fight. You, you really do. You really do. Not to mention that, uh, you know, Coach Quinn was saying that they practiced the shootout, um, but did not put who was, you know, heads and tails, their best player in overtime in the shootout, who was Seattle Kraken's number two overall pick, Maddie Beneers. So a lot of people questioning that uh, the shootout was not very exciting as far as, you know, the, the attempts. The fact that it was a shootout, of course, is, is you know, anxiety inducing. But the shootout itself wasn't all that exciting. And so, you know, uh, let's go Slovakia. I think they played a good game. They got their veteran leaders to get goals when they mattered. And that's important in a tournament like this. Yeah, 100%. And as for the Canada game, they got shut out, only got 22 shots. It was one nothing most of the game. Pretty uninspiring, frankly. Like, they, they clearly didn't bring enough offense. I think there have been a lot of people questioning the usage of Josh Hosang, but I think uh, he had a pretty rough game against the Americans, which kind of lost a bit of trust with the coaching staff. So it's hard to really figure out what exactly went wrong with that other, outside of, like, the roster construction, maybe too many grinders. But again, it's... I don't know. It, it's not that serious to me. It, it's one of those things where I think it's just more fun this way. Uh, we got a, a question in the stream chat. Can we get a shout out to New Zealand getting our first ever Winter Olympics gold medal with Zoe getting gold in the snowboard freestyle? That's amazing. And silver in the big air. That's really Holy cool. Smokes. First ever gold medal for New Zealand in the Winter Olympics. That's fantastic. So shout out to New Zealand. Absolutely. And uh, the last thing that I wanted to cover today which is Canada's gold medal, which happened just after we finished the show yesterday in the men's 5,000 meter relay in speed skating. And this is another one where kind of watching it as my kids were getting ready for daycare in the morning, I got a little bit emotional because I mean, how many years have we been following Charles Hamelin in speed skating in Canada? He's 37 years old and he ends his career, his final race with a gold medal. And that's just, amazing i'm so happy for him so happy for steven dubois uh what's the other name here i think it's jo yeah jordan pierre gillies and pascal dion amazing run by those guys and taking home the gold for charles i just couldn't be happier about that i think in terms of gold medal count so far it's been a little bit of a disappointing olympics for canada but every single one has been truly special we talk about movie moments, right? Like the Olympics are really where those movie moments happen. And for Charles Hamlin, Hamlin to, to go out on top like this, you know, at the age he is, you know, it, it just, it, it, it's remarkable. Like it really is. I, I don't blame you for getting emotional, Andrew. It, it, it was, 
it, it's really there's something that's just so cool about about an, a professional athlete that's just just given everything to their sport and you know the, being a speed skater like the amount of time and, and and energy and work and hours you have to put in behind the scenes are, are remarkable and to be able to end your career uh, likely end your career abs at the, on, on top of the world literally like on top of the international straight stage is just it's just so cool. It's, it's, it uh, sends shivers down your spine. It really does. And I don't blame you, man. Like there, there could be like five or six different, you know, movie, like straight up screenplays that can come out of Beijing here. Like we just talked about one with, with Sarah nurse Hamlin's there too. It, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah. And I should say he tied Cindy Clausen for the most uh, gold medals in speed skating for Canada with, or not most gold medals, sorry, most medals entirely with uh, six. I believe he has four gold medals though, which is, unbelievable and erica you want can you drop something on us for like an american inspirational story before we close out because i'm sure there's there's 50 of them right i mean between chloe kim and do it in like a in in like the trailer voice too (laughs) in the world (laughs) (laughs) um well you know in the same vein as as sarah nurse i didn't get to see this one live but uh, we'll stick with uh, the track. So we're going to stick with speed skating. And Aaron Jackson learned how to skate, hit the ice for the first time in 2016, makes her way to the top in the 500 meter, and then slips in qualifiers, does not qualify at her best, at her, at her best race until her teammate gives her her spot in the 500 meter and how does she repay her team and team usa by being the first black woman to win a gold medal ever in speed skating in the 500 meter in beijing china oh my god shivers again all right it's greenlit put it into production (laughs) let's go let's get the trailer cut I also want to point out that Steve Dangle started uh, learning how to skate around 2016 too. And we don't see him in an Olympics. <laughs> so that clearly is a m- massive failure on his part. I've seen him skate. He's not an Olympic caliber skater. <laughs> oh, poor Steve. Steve. <laughs> Catching strays. All right. Uh, thank you so much for coming on with me. Both of you. I know that uh, it's a tough time for, for me and Mike and tough for Erica to find any moment in these Olympics to give time for other people. And I know that you're so busy Uh, before I close things out first, Erica, and then Mike tell everyone where they can find your work. Well, thanks again for having me on. It was a pleasure to chat with you both. You can find me on Twitter at elindsay 8 That's E-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y-08. And once I get back stateside, I'll be talking more hockey for the Locked on Kraken podcast. I can't wait. That's going to be awesome. Um, you can find me on Twitter, MikeyStevens81, and all my work at uh, Sports Illustrated and Hockey News. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. And thanks, everyone, for joining me through this journey of doing this show. I've got one more show where I'm waking up early in the morning, and then Omar is going to do Saturday for us. And then on Sunday, I'm going to join Omar and Sean Fitzgerald at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time, so a more regular time for all of us, and we're going to do a full Olympics recap covering Canada's games, the stories, and we don't know if it's going to be as short as the ones we usually do in the morning because there's a lot more to talk about, but I think it's going to be really fun, and if you haven't been able to pay as much attention to these Olympics, 
I think that's going to be a very interesting show for you to learn some of these stories. Like what Erica just shared with, like, I don't know how I, I didn't even hear about that story. That's amazing. Like, how, how do you even top that? That's incredible. And that's what's so great about the Olympics is these stories like that. And thank you both for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for watching. I will see you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.